How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for Healthcare Professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. I welcome everybody back to the How Is My Financial Health Doc podcast, and I'm your host, Vuketran. Today, we're going to talk about something that is more subjective than objective, and we're not going to be talking about data, and we're not going to be talking about different learning points in regards to different products. Today, we're going to have more of a philosophical discussion. What I hope to achieve at the end of this podcast is that uh, my listeners reflect on what we're going to talk about and how this applies to you and your expert team and specifically to your advisor, to your accountant. We're going to be talking about the concepts of suitability versus fiduciary standard. Investment advisors are required to meet a certain standard of conduct, which is either suitability or fiduciary Advisors conforming to a suitability standard are required to make investment recommendations that are suitable based upon a a given client's age, risk tolerance, and financial goals. A fiduciary is required to place the client's interests ahead of their own. A fiduciary must meet suitability standards but must rise to the higher level of responsibility by placing the client's interests ahead of their own. In finance, a fiduciary is an investment advisor or other financial professional who is required to act solely in the best interest of their client when offering personalized financial advice. A fiduciary advisor is ethically and legally bound to buy and sell investments that are appropriate for the client without any competing interest. The overriding standard for for a fiduciary is called the fiduciary standard of care which requires a that a financial advisor solely act in the client's best interest when offering personalized financial advice so which one is better that is what we're going to be talking about today we're going to be talking about all this with my friend jamie list And it's a pleasure to have everyone back today for another episode on personal finance uh, for healthcare professionals. Today, I have back on the show a good friend of mine, Jamie List. You heard him before on a previous podcast when we talked about uh, incorporation, we talked about whole life, and we talked about uh, RRSPs. And Jamie, uh, you, I think you will you will re- recall really quickly because uh, Jamie is one of my guests who is a really analytical. We talked about tables and we talked about about graphs, and uh, and uh, that's how that's how smart Jamie is. And so let me uh, remind you who who Jamie is. So Jamie List is a partner at Baring Capital Partners, and uh, he helps. Uh, individuals and his clients build wealth and then communicate and track their cro- their progress and execute with ease and transparency. I think one thing that you'll find about Jamie is that he's really, really passionate 
about building, building trust-based relationships and having meaningful conversations directed at helping his clients implement strategies and processes that ensure growth uh, with their business practices and wealth. And I think that's what led me to have this discussion with Jamie today. Uh, Jamie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me again, Booth. This is, uh, I always look forward to these. Yeah, and thank you for your time today, Jamie. Uh, what we're going to be talking about today is the question of suitability. Um, I hear this a lot uh, when I engage uh, experts and advisors in the finance industry when they talk about, well, this product is suitable versus this product is best interest of. And so we're going to try to have that discussion, try to tease out what that means and how the financial industry really works. And as consumers of these financial services and products, what should a consumer expect? And I think more importantly, what does a, a healthcare professional uh, expect from those type of interactions and engagements? I'm going to be the one to say that, you know what, I don't think today I'll teach anything new. I don't think there's new information that I'll be imparting on, on the audience today. What I hope to do with this podcast at the end is provide uh, the audience with some sort of direction and some sort of maybe reflection, what I, what I call food for thought, and maybe reflect a little bit on in your own experience and in your own engagement with the financial industry, um, if, if you have come across suitability or best interest, and at the end of the day, what should you as a consumer do to achieve best interest? And how do you do that? You know, knowing the conversations we've had on this topic leading up to this, I mean, I do believe that the, the, the takeaway um, would, would be that I think the listeners would be better consumers at the end of it. Just sort of understanding how the industry, I think what we're going to talk about today is really just how the industry thinks about itself, uh, how the industry positions products and advice, um, what, and where, what the pros and cons of what those positions and how that positioning works out is as it impacts uh, the clients and customers of the industry. Um, so there is similar. I think everyone you know who listens would emerge today likely being a slightly better or well-informed consumer. That would be oh. that would be the ideal. Okay, well, let's start by understanding what does the industry uh, expect of its advisors. So let's maybe from a regulatory framework, what is the standard that the industry works on? I know that there's a certain change in the industry where people are. are aiming for higher and higher, but at a basic level, what is the regulation and what does the, regulate, the regulators expect of the advisors and the different uh, experts? Well, that's sort of, there's a, there's a broad answer to that. I mean, there's a couple of things you need proficiency, you need uh, obviously knowledge and continuing education and, and many of the principles um, that you might find in the medical profession. When it comes to actually consuming the advice of a financial services professional, and, and we'll define that as, as people who work in the investment or wealth management um, industry directly, and, and we'll differentiate, let's say, lawyers or accountants um, who are, and bank uh, bankers, let's say, who are, bring other uh, skills and, and um, strategies to the table. 
but we'll speak specifically for now about that. So with regards to how we consume our, sorry, how consumers consume the advice that the financial services industry gives, we at the very basic level have to, and this is the question you had asked and really where we're going with this, that, that understanding what suitability means and what level of advice you're getting when a suitability assessment has been made. So I have two responsibilities in general. I have to know my client, um, KYC, know my client, know your client. And I have to know my product, KYP. Those are the two sort of baskets of knowledge that I bring as a professional, anybody brings as an investment professional, when we're making a recommendation. On the one hand, I need to know my client's objectives. I need to know what's uh, what's going what they are trying to get done. And I also need to know the product. Is it going to work? Uh, what are the, the different things in there? And any product will do. It could be something from owning shares in a bank, Bank of Montreal or RBC, to uh, you know, a fund or a pooled product that has lots of different components and, and details. So suitability is really where those two concepts meet, where I understand my client's needs and I understand what the product is and I make a recommendation. And what the regulator is generally going to do is they're going to require, if they're ever looking, if you will, uh, you know, at, at you know, a transaction, if you, if you will, gone wrong, was the product suitable for the client's needs at the time? I.e., did this advisor know enough about the client and know enough about the product to be able to make that recommendation at that point in time? So that really is that really is the the, the fundamentals of suitability. Is it at the moment of that transaction, did it meet the objectives of the client, and did the advisor know that the product? Uh, was capable of doing that. There's no certification, obviously, that a bank stock is going to go up or down in value, although we hope it goes up. Um, and, and suitability doesn't require uh, success. Uh, that's not sort of what it's predicated on. Suitability says, was this the right decision at the right time? I think it would be foolish to guarantee success. No one can do that. And uh, even in medicine, we can't guarantee success. I'd be giving someone a medication to treat xyz problems and i can't guarantee success either so i don't think that's that's reasonable on on in any industry now when you and i spoke uh, we talked about suitability we talked about a, a lot about suitability when it comes to product uh to a uh consumable to a solution does this suitability transfer well to let's say a strategy, a service, a counseling education, does that trans translate well to that type of service? You know, both you and I, our recommendations as professionals, giving the services that we do in your case, medicine, in my case, financial services need to be suitable at all time. But I think one of the one of the assertions that sort of I had made when we started talking about this, and I think it's still reasonable, is that suitability implies the lower of the lower bar, if you will, of what needs to happen. If something is suitable, it is okay. It's acceptable. It has checked off the boxes. It would be like building a house to code. Um, you can have uh, two very different houses. You can spend very different amounts of money on two houses. Both of them could be built to code. 
but you can obviously uh, embellish um, and uh, enhance one house in a much greater degree than another one. So suitability is much like a building code um, or, you know, again, as you, as I joked, um, we're not looking for suitable spouses. In most cases, we're looking for something more. Um, and so that concept of suitability is very helpful uh, as a basic starting point uh, and understanding what the industry is looking to do for its clients and understanding what the regulators are demanding the advisors are able to do. Um, but it is what I would say would be the starting point of a good recommendation, whether it's product or strategy. Okay, great. Thank, thank you for clarifying that. So yeah, maybe actually, to... let me make sorry to interrupt yeah. one more clarification. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, I think as much as possible, try to make sure we are understanding the the concept of a strategy when it comes to suitability isn't really something that's enshrined, if you will, in kind of securities law. <clears throat> as far as I know, I'm not a lawyer by any means. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, when you're coming to that, that gets into a slightly more gray area. But I think what I think what you you have wanting to get out of this is linking the concept to of, of suitability, i.e. the lowest um, sort of the basic bar that you're trying to get over versus optimizing um, is where you're looking at in anything. So just getting beyond suitable is, is, is the minimum and then optimizing and making sure you've got everything kind of squared away for yourself um, over a longer period of time. And I would say that suitability really deals with the a very local moment in time, whereas advice is an ongoing um, and higher degree, if you will, of help or input from a professional. I think that's, uh, thank you for that, uh, for that clarification. I think that's very important. So just for me to understand, you know, suitability, as you're saying, it's the basic code of, of, construction i want to construct a house i need to make sure it respects the code and the, the house doesn't fall down uh, but i can build the house with the same code but i can build, build two different houses because they will have different types of you know added marble and, and stone and, and whatnot and, and so on and so on so the concept of optimization is beyond suitability just so that my audience understand, you know, concretely, what does that mean? So can you provide me an example, not in your life and not, and not in your practice, but in people's practice in the industry, how the, the, the concept of suitability comes along. So if, if I'm in front of an advisor, you know, Bob, and Bob has different uh, solutions to offer me or different products to offer me what does suitability mean in that particular instance so i'm going to answer it two ways um so we've got a useful analogy we've sort of started with which is these houses so we'll go back to the houses and uh you know you could pretty easily imagine a situation where i've built same builder right beside i built a house on the exact same piece of property, let's say for argument's sake, and one of them has cost me, you know, $500,000 and one's cost 2 million. 
they both have the same square footage. And uh, imagine you are one of the two owners in, uh, in one example, let's call it. An owner walks up and I say, hey, I finished your house. It's worth $2 million. And that owner says, you completely got that wrong. I only wanted to spend $500,000. That over there is the house that I wanted. That's what I told you to build. Suitability means that you have to be able to, of course, understand what the needs are and then execute and then, and then be able to do that. In that housing example, you could, you, could, you could be very skilled at building houses and you could have gotten entirely incorrect the understanding and, and what you want out of doing that. You will have chosen the wrong materials and you will have misunderstood your client's objectives and that's how you arrived at that error. Sort of fictional financial services example. So I have, again, my suitability has two elements. First of all, I need to know my client. So in order to know your client properly, you need to ask them some questions. And the more questions that you ask of somebody, the more you get to know them, the more you can understand what exactly it is that we're trying to get accomplished here. Um, you know, a, uh, you know, a physician who is doing a full physical on a patient needs to, you know, put them in a gown and, and see everything. Um, and so it's a similar example in financial services. We obviously don't need to see anybody undressed, but we certainly do need to, to go to the sort of the full extent. So if I am executing my know your client uh, responsibilities properly, I'm going to ask a lot of questions. That should give me an idea of what I'm trying to accomplish. And so let's just say very simply, I'm the client we're thinking of is saving for retirement. <clears throat> and um, it's 20 years out. And so they're in their mid-40s and they know they're going to retire at a specific date, just to keep it simple. On the other side, I have a, a, a whole universe of products that I may or may not bring to bear to help this individual get to where they want to go. So I need to know what products can and can't do that. And then even more, I do now more and more what regulators want. And I think this is the right thing for regulators to want on behalf of, of the, the, the investing public is I should, I should be doing this as cost-effectively as possible. And so the regulators are asking us professionals to, if we have two choices, for example, then the one that is least expensive, all things being equal, and all things being very equal. So just because it's less expensive doesn't make something better. But if I have two products that are, let's say, Canadian equity funds, and one is going to cost 2% and one is going to cost 1%, then I should really probably recommend the 1% to my client because the 2% one is going to put them at a significant disadvantage to meeting their stated goals that I went through with them on the KYC, the know your client part. So that's again, a very rudimentary look at suitability, which is I need to know what you're trying to do and I need to know what's out there to execute and to solve the problem for, for that, that, that particular client. Let's talk about the other, the other echelon. So if we, if we said suitability is the basic foundation of what an advisor should do and what the regulator what the regulator expect. The next one would be would be optimization. You use the word optimization, but there's also a word a sentence not a word but maybe a, a concept that floats around in the industry called best interest. 
and fiduciary duty. Can you explain the difference between those concepts? Well, a fiduciary, again, I, I, uh, I'm stepping way outside my own training into sort of legal definitions, but my understanding is a fiduciary responsibility is something that's, that's kind of codified in, uh, in, in law. And so, uh, you know, as a physician, you are a fiduciary over your patients and that you have a, a, a vast amount of knowledge and it's applicable to the problem that presents itself um, at diagnosis and during treatment. So fiduciary responsibility is a professional one, and I think it's profession-wide, and it demands a best interest standard as a part of that fiduciary. So a best interest, a best interest standard is a slightly different, uh, maybe not quite as robust um, uh, concept, but it does attempt to get at the same idea, which is, uh, you know, example I talked of before where we have two Canadian equity funds, one's at 2%, one's at 1% in terms of its cost. The best interest standard is what has been brought forward more recently to demand that the investment professional choose a lower cost one. Again, that's a very simple um, uh, example of you know having your client's best interests uh, at heart. And so that is slowly, well, I don't know if slowly is the right word, but that has become codified more and more over how the regulators want their advi- the advisory public to, to, to behave. Um, you know, 15, 20 years ago, that wasn't demanded of advisors and, uh, and it now is more and more. Um, but not every advisor is a fiduciary. Um, and maybe that's another way of saying it. So all advisor... I believe most advisors are going to be held to some version of a best interest um, uh, uh, sort of rigor, but a fiduciary is, again, it's it's defined really at the professional level. So a physician, an accountant, a lawyer, um, I know those are fiduciary relationships, portfolio managers uh, in the investment space are fiduciaries. They have discretionary authority over portfolios. So they are held to different standards than a, uh, a non-portfolio managing uh, investment advisor. Uh, and that would be someone who discusses investment strategies with their client before they implement them. And again, I, you know, I'm not, not trying to split hairs. And I think uh, if we had someone with, uh, with the right legal mind here, they would be able to give us a much cleaner definition. But um, the fiduciary role and the best interest rule, or a better way of saying it, the best interest uh, standards that have been brought to bear are bringing the are raising the bar on what is required to make something suitable. Again, suitability being what we'll call the lowest, uh, or not the lowest. That's not fair, but the base expectation that a client should have when they're dealing with an advisor. We talked a lot about uh, suitability and and best interest when it comes to proposing certain uh, solutions and products. And when we were talking uh, offline about this, we're talking about over the long term planning for that individual from a planning and strategy perspective. How does a suitability look like and what does a best interest look like? 
you know, when you are moving from transactions to planning and transactions to wealth management and, and looking at objectives and success, the suitability standard sort of loses relevance. When it comes to planning and, and really any long-term wealth management discussion, whether it's a product or a strategy, you can't even assess really suitability properly until you've got a, a you know a, a, a version of a plan of how that's going to be executed. If you're looking to engage somebody as it, let's say as the investing public to help you get to an objective that is a far in the future and b comprehensive or complicated, then you as a consumer are going to want to see evidence of a level of rigor that is beyond what that concept of suitability says, which is, yeah, I know a little bit about you and I know a little bit about this product and this is the right thing for you right now. And so, you know, when you're moving to a, you know, a best interest or sort of an optimization level in terms of what you're doing, there should be evidence of a lots of tailored analysis. If you are, purchasing a product or a service from a financial entity and you haven't gone through and looked at what is the outcome, then you might still be in that suitability realm. Uh, and again, I'm not implying that you are, but there's a, you know, let's just talk about probabilities. If you haven't really dug into how it looks at the out, uh, at what the outcome looks like, you're probably still in a suitability product-based uh, uh, inputs, not outcomes relationship. So let me unpack that a little bit and maybe ask the question. So if I'm sitting in front of a, of an expert, a financial expert, because I'm engaging the service. So the things that I should be seeing as a consumer is one, this, this expert trying to understand me, uh, my circumstance, my environment, my goals. And so there's a lot of dialogue and conversation. That's what I understand from what you're saying. Two, uh, there should be some analysis, you know, that's done uh, in looking at different solutions, looking at, you know, sensitivity analysis, given different assumptions. And then finally, there should be a dialogue and a discussion of, you know, which is the most likely positive solution with a positive outcome. Although we can't guarantee outcomes, but what is the, the most probable um, rate of success given, you know, solution A, B, or C, et cetera. So it is a quite lengthy process. Uh, and quite meticulous and in-depth process. So am I understanding that well, that, you know, for, you know, to, to, to look at a process that is more looking uh, at best practice, not, not best practice, best interest fiduciary, uh, we're looking at a process that is more in-depth and analytical with a lot of dialogue as opposed to a more transactional type of engagement. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think if you could sort of break it down, um, if, a, if a client approached me and said, I have an objective to save for a house I want to purchase in one year, that's a, that's a very simple, straightforward um, 
planning scenario. First of all, my timeline is very brief, yeah. which means the variables are very limited. Secondly, if I'm doing my job properly, I should say back to that client, look, you have a one-year time horizon, which means, and you've quantified the amount that you want to save and put on a down payment. And none of the investment recommendations I can make can sacrifice um, those objectives. And so, you know, that's a very straightforward situation. There's one person, there's one objective that's inside of one year. And our recommendation would be to take very, very little risk um, to ensure that we get exactly what we want in one year, which is a house or at least a down payment on a house. Um, you know, moving that example out, if someone, that one person comes and says, okay, well, I want to, you know, I need to retire at, at a certain age, 20, 25 years from now. Again, that complicate, that, that um, situation is not particularly complicated if there is only one income or only one person spending the money. Where things start to get complicated is when you start to layer multiple sources of income, multiple objectives, multiple timelines. Um, you know, in the case of many of your listeners who are physicians, they may or may not be incorporated. So now you have multiple entities, multiple tax rates. Um, and then on top of that, you have a variety of different strategies you want to test as to see whether it's the right one. And, you know, in previous podcasts, we went through like three or four and kind of mix and match to see which ones made sense. Um, that's when that's, that's that level of complexity arrives by virtue of who the client is and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, and so those situations that are more complex and have more, you know, exponentially more outcomes, right? Cause each new element is a new variable. Uh, those ones need more rigor. What you're saying, and I'm glad what you're saying, is that the industry, the regulators are pushing experts and professional advisors towards more and more towards that uh, best interest uh, level as opposed to meeting the basic suitability. And I think that's a much welcome uh, movement, at least from a consumer perspective. <laughs> I think that's a much welcome uh, movement. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, you know, as you progress through the world, everything gets more complicated generally, right? Your, your career gets more complicated. You are trusted with more things. Uh, we tend to acquire more things. Uh, many of us have families and we have uh, people that we need to take care of. As soon as your financial situation starts to have multiple kind of variables, is when that, that sort of concept of suitability, which is a great, and you're right, the bar is being raised um, slowly but surely um, and more quickly recently than in the, you know, over the last 50 years, let's say. But there is, there is the advice, if you will, from today would be that, that, that for consumers to demand more of an advisor than just simply this is suitable for you today. Um, and there are, you know, there are evidence of that. And again, I, if you and I sat down and I was your patient and you said, well, this, this solution is perfectly suitable for you to, to solve whatever your medical issue is, I would probably seek to advocate for, and certainly I'd ask more questions. And this is what I, you know, I think is important in, in, in the patient relationship, you know, turning the table, me not knowing what you know, is I would ask a lot of questions just to make sure that, that I was a, comfortable with the recommendation that you'd made, the diagnosis, the course of treatment, um, 
and and advocate on my behalf. So I think in that same fashion where a patient would want to be advocating on their own behalf for care, I think a consumer of financial services should seek to advocate on their own behalf, should seek to ask questions and have those questions satisfied with some rigor, because likely their situation is quite complicated and a very quick and simple answer is likely not going to be the right or optimal solution for what they're looking for. What what you and I are saying is the same thing is, you know, be a informed, be an informed consumer, be an educated consumer, um, because you know what, at the end of the day, I, I believe that even you think this way, a, an educated consumer makes your life also easier uh, when it comes to your counseling and your proposals and your solutions. And so I urge everyone to um, really educate themselves on, you know, the, the services and the products that, uh, that we buy, uh, but also, you know, just the basic level of personal financial literacy is, is important. And um, like our patients, we should also ask lots of questions. I think it would be helpful if given your level of knowledge, which I think just because of all of the questioning and, and the searching that you do through this podcast, is there a rigor or a discipline that, that you go through in your own uh, world to help you come to decisions? And again, speaking in the general, not the specific, that give you some comfort because um, you've obviously been able to assess and understand what is suitability versus what is like best interest and or, you know, optimal advice. So how do you go through and do that? How's that, you know, put yourself in your listener's shoes. So this is one thing I'm going to answer it this way. This is one thing that I think my wife does really, really, really well. And, and not when it comes to financial service or products, but when it comes to buying whatever we, we were recently looking for a, stacked washer and dryer and the washer and dryer just broke down it's been 20 years and it's an old washer and dryer and i'm like just just buy one you know just anyone let's just go to home depot let's go to rona Lowe's. just just get one I'm, i want to be done with it no 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 my my wife spent lots of time looking at different washers and dryers stack washer and dryer Look at the different brands. Look at the cubic feet. Look at the um, the the price. Uh, check uh, uh, forums. Uh, check different you know uh, ratings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we spend a lot of time going to different you know the department stores and Home Depots and Ronas and all that to look for the right one. Now, trust me, I, I love I love the shopping around and driving, but I don't like the researching online and looking at the different ratings and stuff like that. But that's what my wife does really, really well. And why do I bring that up? I bring that up because if I was able to take that type of energy and put it towards, you know, finances and and took it and took that like uh, that type of energy in assessing a strategy and a product and a, and a proposal, I think that would be ideal. I never did that before. Um, as a consumer, you know, I had advisors that sold me insurance product that showed me different investment products that sold me different things. And I said, so, and I say, I use the word sell simply because I was sold to, because I knew nothing and I didn't have the interest of knowing how would I, how do I do it differently now? Well, I do it the way my wife does it, but in financial products and services. 
And so the first thing is I learn about whatever I want to gather, whatever I want to buy. For example, when I looked at life insurance, what do I need to understand about life insurance? At least the basics of it. And and what? why do I even buy life insurance? Is it, is it for life insurance? Is it for a different goal? Is it for estate planning? Is it for retirement planning? What are the different ways that this life insurance product that I want to buy fit into my strategy? But I said strategy. That means that I need to be knowing what I'm going to be doing with it and what the goals. And so I guess to my audience, I say, we, we tend to do things the, the way I used to do it, which is, you know, just buy the product, leave me alone. Whereas now I look at every solutions with a, of a, a, a more critical eye, uh, with a, a little bit more understanding. Whereas before I didn't want to understand, but now I want to understand. And as I'm understanding and I'm talking to you, Jamie, and you may say, wow, Vu, like, like you really understood this even before we sat down. So let me let me dive deeper a little bit just to make sure you understand and, and we're all on the same page. And so to my audience, I would say, understand the different facets of what you're buying or whatever strategy you're going to be following and have that dialogue with your advisor, which I never used to have. Uh, my thing was, okay, propose me this and I'll buy it or propose me this and I'll accept it. Whereas now I, I go into more of that dialogue and trying to understand. So if we want the industry to uh, operate at that level of best interest for us, we, I think we as consumers have to take that first step uh, and really learn and understand the, the different products and strategies we're going to move into so that the experts can do their job as well. The relationships that I enjoy the most are, are A, the ones that are the longest because you get to know people better and you certainly, they're rewarding. But I think to take what you said and add, maybe add one layer to it, which is I think if you're looking for somebody to work with and you are interested in doing some learning and there are some people who just don't want to um, or and or don't have the time, um, although I'm not sure that that's as valid as the, 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 the other one, which is they just have no interest. A professional who is a partner in the learning process, um, and so if you if you have a really valuable relationship, part of that sort of part of the iterative process of asking questions, coming up with this might be a solution, testing it, etc. That is a that's an advisor who is probably very well suited to helping you learn if that's in fact what you want, um, or if you're on the in the camp that doesn't really want to do the work, uh, you know how you used to buy washers and dryers, um, <laughs> then, uh, then at the very least, you can challenge an advisor to have that kind of relationship with you as long as they can show evidence of having done the work. You know, a learning partner uh, in that journey, or at least somebody who has the capacity to do it, uh, is, is someone who's going to elevate that advice giving beyond that suitability um, uh, basic standard to move beyond that suitability it's a it's a partnership as you mentioned um, yeah. and and having that partner a learning partner i like that i like that word a learning partner is is very important so uh your advisor is in fact your your learning partner and also your your partner in finance so uh jamie thank you very much for uh spending some time with us today uh same as last time if there was anything that uh, you want to say to my audience that's 
burning that you must get uh, get off your chest right now? Uh, what what would that be? I think this is an interesting conversation. Um, I think your your the level of inquisitiveness that you always show um, and that you bring to this this podcast is is great. This is a pretty theoretical discussion, but the practical outcome is you know as we said, there's scores many 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 good advisors um and in fact my my argument as i said to you earlier is most advisors are good advisors um at least they have the best of intentions not every advisor is going to be able to walk down the path that you want to go down um and some good advisors in fact i would argue the best advisors are the ones who go through the process of discovery and then say look i don't think we're the right people for you um it's not an objective that we we have when we meet a client, but it's something that is um, that's important to do. So, I think you know, as we talked about before, the 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 advice I can give to to anybody, and I think where the industry would would sort of really um, excel is um, demanding that that the that the client be educated by the advisor, and I think that would be a great. Uh, a great format to really enhance uh, and make durable the relationships that are in the, the financial services uh, community. Well, thank you. I, I support that fully. Uh, and uh, thank you for uh, sharing that uh, insight with us. So thank you very much, Jamie. And thank you for your time. And uh, I hope we have opportunities to speak again next time. You bet. Thanks for your time, Boo. And, uh, and as always, I love this show. Thank you. As I mentioned earlier in the introduction of this podcast, the goal is really not difficult. It was just to bring up the concept of suitability and best interests. But at the end of the day, what I really want the audience to do is think about these two terms. Are you experiencing suitability or are you experiencing best interests when you are having those conversations with your accountant, with your advisor? and figure out which one of those advisors and accountants they belong to. Are they giving you products because it's suitable or are they giving you products because it is in your best interest? My hope is to give you some food for thought and reflect on what type of relationship you have with your accountant and with your financial advisor. This was a very theoretical discussion about suitability versus best interest and fiduciary duty. I'm very happy that Jamie was able to take us through that, but please listen to my next podcast where I give a editorial about my thoughts on suitability and best interest when it comes to the practical world. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with your friends and colleagues and other people who are interested in learning about personal finance. And if you want to reach me or uh, send me any comments, please email me at hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. How is My Financial Health Doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.